worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. They'll eat your guts and spit them out. And when your bones begin to rot, the worms remain, but you do not. So don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by. For someday you'll be next in line. And when death brings his cold despair, ask yourself, will anyone care? Macabre may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What does your shirt say? Uh, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) where'd you find that? Uh, You know, that site that always advertises on Facebook, it's called Timu, I think. Oh, nice. Timu. It was like $9 and free shipping. Yeah. That's not bad. I figured for spooky season, you know. (laughs) Oh, heck yeah. I found a a sweater that I think I'm going to get. It's a skeleton holding coffee. And I was like, oh, maybe a little treat for, you know, the podcast. Yeah. A little bigger. <laughs> I'm wearing an cute. unsolved mystery shirt right now. Nice. Oh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. And We're unfortunately, nerds. we are so nerds. <laughs> this is a crop top also. And let me tell you. Kudos to anybody that has the confidence for crop tops. I am not one of them. I'm, but I've been wearing some crop tops lately. Not like super yeah. cropped, but just like cropped right to the point where my leggings start. You there know. you go. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm getting older. <laughs> now is the time. Do it. Good for you. <laughs> I Oh, I'm one of those people. But I ordered the wrong size. and. It even said in the description, so it was my bad, but it said, you know, this is this is the size you should follow for this type of wear, you know, and yeah. if people wanted it up, order a size down, whatever. I didn't think about it, and I order what I normally get. Well, they run a little bit smaller anyway, but then I washed it, and it shrunk. <laughs> And it's stretched out now again. I I worked on it. But um, when I went to go put it on, it was barely covering my boobs. <laughs> and I'm like, because I, unfortunately, when I buy clothes, it's to fit my boobs. If I didn't have them, I'd be like two sizes down. But <laughs> just, just like, oh my gosh. And my boyfriend's like, I don't see a problem. And I'm like, I was gonna um, say, I I'm do. pretty sure that Ty would not <laughs> care about that. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> but... He's like, order every shirt in that size, please. Yeah, he's like, even if you wanted to go down a size, <laughs> just let her hang out a little bit. <laughs> so listeners can't see. Um, m- you're wearing the unsolved mysteries with the face of it's Robert it's Stack. Robert Stack, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have a spooky season shirt that has ghost face on it, yes. and he's on a pink telephone, and it says, "No, you hang up," because <laughs> you know, nerd, <laughs> <laughs> mega nerd, mega nerd. Did you decide where we want to start today? I'm sort of letting you lead. Because we did some recording last night, too. 
Wow. What are you feeling? What are your vibes this morning? Do we want to start with a letter and then do the macabre hometown and then go to the next letter? And Yeah. Okay. Which um, letter do you want to start with? <laughs> let's go in the alphabet. Okay. So we Get us are armed on up. N. N. Mm-hmm. N. N is Nosferatu. And I'm excited. I know nothing about Nosferatu. <laughs> you know, I learned a lot when doing research because I honestly thought that Nosferatu meant vampire. And it doesn't Me necessarily too. mean vampire, which is really cool. I did a lot of digging and I found out some pretty interesting stuff. Yay! Yeah, that's why people might be thinking, oh my gosh, you guys, we had Diaz for Dracula. We're really going to go back to vampires in the same hey, season. People it's freaking loved that episode too, by the way. It's <laughs> one of the most, it's one of the most downloaded episodes. So, you dang. Diaz for dang. Yeah. No, just kidding. Well, <laughs> thank you, listeners. I'm glad you guys liked it. We, we nerded hardcore. It was so fun. We may have drooled a little. I'm just like, I'm a big freaking geek for Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I I just find vampires very fascinating because that is one of the creatures that is one of the oldest in history that have been documented in stories. And also they take on different forms, faces throughout cultures. And that that absolutely fascinates me. And we're going to get into some of the concepts of what it means to be a Nosferatu. You're going to educate me today. Oh, I hope so. I think you're going to be surprised, I think, at how much you know. But I was really shocked at the stuff that I did find. It blew my mind. So hopefully, listeners, I'm going to blow your mind also. But my hype notes for the show are, come on now, Dracula can't have all the bloody fun. Tales of the undead spread across cultures and stretch far back into time. And join us as we discuss the treatments of corpses, precautions during burial, and the accounts of the after-devourers. Ooh. Oh, yeah. All right. And just so you know, we're recording early in the morning. and. I might sound a little hoarse. I might try to do some funny voices and then I like squeak. It's early. (laughs) I'm having coffee also. So you're in for a roaring good time with me on (laughs) caffeine. (laughs) It's like 6 a.m. your time. (laughs) Yeah. I'm okay with that. Like I said, usually I'm ready for almost ready for work at this point. Okay. Let's talk about Nosferatu. And the meaning of it first, before we delve into anything else. Because I think this is where people may or may not be surprised. This got me. The word is actually from, like, the archaic Romanian language. And the original root of the word is Nosferati. Which means offensive, troublesome, or disease-bearing. So it really didn't have anything to do with vampires 
it was more of like a taboo situation. And this word, it transformed, obviously. We know it today as Nosferatu, but it didn't really become that popular. And the word didn't change until Bram Stoker's Dracula. And, which Nosferatu, it actually isn't mentioned very much in in Stoker's book, but it's there in a few references. But where it really, really, really became popular was in the 1922 film Nosferatu. Now, yes. And if you haven't seen it, uh, I do believe on YouTube you can watch the whole thing, or at least most most bits broken up. There's a huge drama with the history of that film. I'm sorry if you were going into this episode thinking today we were going to dig deep into that. We are not. That might be a episode down the road for Patreon or something, but you should look into that because the producers of that film battled hardcore with Bram Stoker's widow. Hmm. Uh-huh. Scandal. Yes. They they kind of took some liberties and she wasn't very happy with it. Um, but like I was saying before, Nosferatu does not necessarily mean vampire. It's just one of those Ucky, don't want to touch it type things. <laughs> I know a few of those. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just start referring to anything of Nosferatu. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be our code word from now on when we get like <laughs> creepy vibes from dudes or something. Nosferatu. We got a code Nosferatu up in here. <laughs> hey, Han, can you come and kill the Nosferatu that's in here? He's going to be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh but these these two words have been used interchangeably for so long now across this century and into the new one that people don't really know the difference now so it's okay if you use it more often than not when you say nosferatu and you're not in romania people are going to think you're talking about vampires there seems to be different terms though in romanian language for a type of vampire being. And we have to we have to put this in the back of our heads when we talk about Romanian culture. A lot of things were not written down between a certain amount or a certain period of time. So a lot of this was verbally passed down. And there are different conflicting facts like and stories about mm-hmm. so what i have found i decided to use what was the most common and commonly passed down you may have heard the term strigoi it's another term which refers to a person who can transform into an animal and is also also knows magic and if you have listened to the D episode, you may remember us talking about the school of the Shalomancy. That's exactly what my brain was like. Oh. Uh-huh. That's what they called those people. Okay. So, and that th- that was kind of interchangeable. Because remember we talked about how the ones that like graduated the, the wizardry school would go yeah. out and just mess with the weather and talk to animals all day and stuff. So... <laughs> Doesn't sound woman, like a horrible idea. I, yeah. know, I, want, I want to go to <laughs> Remember, that school. Remember, you have to be kidnapped by a wizard. I know. I'm okay with that. 
We get we gotta get a, a code Strigoi up in here. <laughs> <laughs> it it's really difficult sometimes to look back at the Romanian culture and really get a, a good full understanding of where it started to come from. So kind of let's let's break it down here. They're obsessed with death and they're obsessed with what could happen to a body and their loved ones after death. It was since everything was orally passed down, things became really superstitious in the culture and some things were taken super seriously in the tradition of death. It was a while before any handwritten accounts were even documented. And uh, a lot of the earlier accounts that were documented in writing were actually from foreign observers and scholars. So they were taking a different cultural look at it than the Romanian people. So we have to kind of take some of this with a grain of salt. Obviously, to the Romanian people, some of these rituals, it was very important for things to be carried through properly. And these documentations were kind of written in a in a biased that outsider tone. perspective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So kind of let's go back and jump back in our little timeline that we have when we talked about Bram Stoker and the film in 1922. The film obviously got it from the book and the book well where did Bram hear about all of this? He actually got his source from a traveling author named Emily Gerard. Emily Gerard sounds really freaking cool, by the way. And I need yeah. to find her books because this she wrote about some really cool stuff. And I'm jealous. She got to travel and write books for a living. Girl, <sighs> me too. I want to do that. So she, <laughs> she was definitely ahead of her time. <laughs> she was. Get it, Emily. Uh, she was born in 1849, and she died in 1905. She was a Scottish writer, and she was really well-known for her books that were set in Eastern Europe. And she also was friends with Mark Twain. Hmm. Isn't that cool? That is cool. Imagine that friend group. <laughs> I want to mean, go to that, I go to that yeah. Friendsgiving. <laughs> me too. Oh, me too. That'd be a blast. She was married to a Polish nobleman who lived in Transylvania, a Transylvanian town for many years. So she kind of had an in and she decided to document what she was seeing and get accounts from people. And her best known novel that came out in 1888 was called The Land Beyond the Forest Facts, Figures and Fancies from Transylvania. Sounds like she, she could had- write for our show. I was going to say, it sounds like a woman after my own heart. Uh-huh. Emily, you want to write for us up beyond the grave? Um, she wrote about the landscapes and the dark folklore in this book, and she describes it as a place of gothic horror and attraction. And she was doing this before Bram Stoker was really bringing it out in this romantic view. And I will read you a little excerpt from that Transylvanian superstitions book that she had. Quote, More decidedly evil, however, is the vampire, or Nosferatu, in which every Romanian peasant believes as firmly as he does in heaven or hell. 
There are two sorts of vampires, living and dead. The living vampire is, in the general, illegitimate offspring of two illegitimate persons. But even a flawless pedigree will not ensure anyone against the intrusion of a vampire into his family vault, since every person killed by a Nosferatu becomes, likewise, a vampire after death and will continue to suck the blood of other innocent people till the spirit has been exercised, either by opening the grave of the person suspected and driving a stake through the corpse or firing a pistol shot into the coffin. In very obstinate cases, it is further recommended to cut off the head and replace it in the coffin with the mouth filled with garlic, or to extract the heart and burn it, stewing the ashes over the grave, end quote. So she had the whole Mm -hmm. system. Now... Is she the, I mean, this is probably maybe something that you don't know or, but how, like, is she the first person like came up with that set of like, you have to do this and this and this, like, is that the first time it's been publicized, I guess? I think in the modern, modern era, I think she's Uh one of the first, there were a few noblemen, we kind of talked about foreign foreign people coming in to observe the cultures Mm -hmm. there were foreign noblemen that kind of came in way back before emily and documented the strange exotic happenings but i never found any sources that went into full detail like emily did yeah which makes sense if most Mm -hmm. everything was um passed down orally there wouldn't be right but that has to come from somewhere exactly and <laughs> what were these I, townspeople doing? Oh my god! <laughs> right, if that's the written account, hmm. <laughs> I, I, I just okay. And this is kind of dark humor when it comes to the section where she talks about firing a pistol shot into the coffin. I don't know why my brain went here, but I'm picturing like this man, like the Western style like ha ha and shoots a fire a fiery bullet <laughs> into the coffin right and inside the coffin it's a vampire and he's like to the side of the coffin he goes ha, ah, you missed you know i, I don't know why <laughs> he just turns to the side yeah. no. <laughs> I, I don't know i mean it is really early in the morning <laughs> you're just like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i think um based on where i was reading where there were the foreign noblemen that wrote, you know, surface level documentation about it. Most of them, it seems like, wrote down their accounts, not from necessarily observing, but from hearing from a Romanian. So she was seeing it firsthand. <clears throat> so that book was very popular. Emily is a really good writer, and I really do want to find her things. You actually can find her book still. So I would definitely, listeners, I recommend Emily Gerard and all of her traveling books, not just the Transylvanian stuff. That was her her most well-known. Just read her other stuff. It, it really get they give amazing accounts of these countries at that time. But I digress. I digress. I'm becoming more of an Emily fan. Bram Stoker was also kind of enamored with her source. 
And as we talked about in the D episode, Dracula was published in 1897, and the term Nosferatu was only used twice throughout the novel, similar to the Shalomancy. So it's really weird how in the, I mean, that book is pretty thick. Yeah, why would he only use it twice? Yeah. And for readers to really pick up on these little things that are only mentioned a couple times. I mean, that's a good author right there. Anyway, I'm nerding Those were his Easter eggs before (laughs) Easter eggs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So because he only used it twice, people kind of dusted it over, right? Until the term became mainstream. In a German film in 1922 called Nosferatu. This was thrown around loosely in the film and thereafter because the film made a huge impact. It was the first motion picture. And it was horrifying. And even now, uh, some some of the artistic ways that the German director used to film is still kind of freaky to me. It's creepy. So he did a good job. Yeah. You know, there's a new one coming out, right? Uh-huh. I did hear uh-huh. about that. With one I'm of my excited. favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I think they just wrapped filming. Actually. I think I saw. Did they really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait to see the lost voyage of the Demeter. Also. Yes. The last we're voyage. recording the weekend that that, actually Mm -hmm. came out in theaters this will be Mm -hmm. posted later but um, oh no yeah i'm so excited i'm so excited part of me no no i'm not even gonna put that out there because i know it's not gonna be a thing but part of me is like i wouldn't it be kind of cool if he talked and it was gary oldman's voice like just really (laughs) but no 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 i'm sure we can (laughs) like if if our fans love us and they're really good at like the voiceovers just steal a clip from the movie not not steal it but you know what i'm saying just like yeah voice dub over and then send it to blair and just make her dreams come true <laughs> why is it such a problem oh uh, anyway oh it's too early no just kidding <laughs> it's too early for this so now let's understand this Again, the film threw the term Nosferatu around so freely that that is why we associate Nosferatu immediately with vampires. We think they're the same thing. Technically, Mm -hmm. they're not. The film also, and this is where I'm going to get, I'm going to touch on the drama of it just a little bit, but it it really would deserve its own episode because there's a lot that happened. Um. It got into such huge trouble with Mrs. Stoker, and it became a huge legal battle. And they fought on it for a long time. Copies of the film were ordered to be destroyed. Some of them had survived the span of the century. They really tried to save as many as they could, and that's why we don't really have good access to it even today luckily there is the full version of it i believe on youtube now um so definitely check it out if you haven't so some copies still survived but they kind of had to put it back together mrs stoker was very adamant about 
just wiping that from history. Let's talk about other references in history besides Dracula. And it goes back a lot further back than Dracula. And it, it this is going to kind of show you how <laughs> the concept of the vampire has changed throughout history. So it's going to get a little funny at the end when we compare to today's standards. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Barney the Vampire? No. Yeah. Okay. So this was um, during Dickinson's time. Uh, Varney the Vampire was by James Malcolm Reimer and Thomas Pickett Prest. And originally it was published in 1845 in a weekly pamphlet known as Penny Dreadfuls. Yay! Yay! I love Penny Dreadfuls. I know. We should do I would love to get uh, my hand on like an original. <laughs> I would cry and print. then drool. I would, uh-huh. I would lose my shit for sure. Mm. Yes. Oh my gosh. But anyways, I'm nerding. <laughs> Me too. Oh, I, I would want that so much. But we should definitely do a bonus episode on Penny Dreadfuls. Oh yeah. It'd be awesome. We can definitely do that. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. So Varney, the vampire, it tells a tale about a man called Sir Francis Varney. It births some of our famous tropes that we know today when we think about vampires. It references sharp teeth and drawing blood from the neck with those sharp fangs, which was one of the first really scandalous forms of horror. Because, oh, touching the neck. Oh, yeah. With a mouth. I can't even look at ankles. <laughs> Victorians, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Varney the Vampire was very popular and it was a very scary story for its time. I used to have the entire collection. That thing was so thick. I don't know what happened to it. I probably got lost on one of the moves, which makes me very sad. But it was a compilation of all of their stories in those pamphlets. Oh, they were oh really good. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I'm so jealous. Oh, I have to find it again. If I find one, I'll buy you a copy, too. Because it was to so cool. I'll have to do some digging. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back a little bit further in history from Varney. We have, which we've talked about in F is for Frankenstein, The Vampire by John William Polidori, which was published in 1819. Now, remember, they had that spooky story contest when they were cooped up in uh, Mm -hmm. Lord Byron's house. Well, he was the doctor, so he really didn't have a reputation for writing. And he and Mary were the ones that scared the others the most. So John decided he was going to publish it too. And this was the first story where we see a vampire in its human form in literature. The vampire, and we kept this, didn't we, society? The vampire is a saucy British nobleman (laughs) by by the name of Lord Ruthven. He makes an acquaintance with a man named Aubrey. And Aubrey later finds out that his sister is engaged to the Earl of Marsden. Come to find out, Aubrey's sister's fiancé is none other than the frickin' Lord Ruthven. The fucking (laughs) scandal. The story 
has its share of romance and gruesomeness. And this is really when the romanticizing of vampires came to be. For the first time, it was scary and unheard of, but it also must have had a little bit of impression on that scary, scary, but horny Victorian era. Because (laughs) we are still talking about the saucy vampires now in different forms. So that's where... It seems like... (laughs) It seems like... The vampire almost was a way for them to, <laughs> like, express <laughs> that repressed sexual tension and, uh-huh. you know, the things that, like, how ankles were so scandalous. But it was like they created this monster to play out these desires. And mm-hmm. secretly everybody's like, ooh, I want to play out those desires. Right. And it makes you wonder, (laughs) and I shouldn't say this, I'm sure John was a great person, but think about it, people. It was a group of friends cooped up in a house for a long time, not a lot of privacy. Maybe John was just really, really, you know, horny. And he's like, oh man, we got a freaking scary story. He was probably the third wheel a lot of times. Oh, definitely. Because Byron yeah. was a little crazy, so Byron did whatever he wanted. And but- the ladies were always about him, you know. Uh-huh. Well, and, and then Mary, Mary and Percy were married, mm-hmm. so yeah. poor John sitting in the corner like, I write the stupid, scary story. He's like, mm, but what if we kind of threw in a little bit of... Okay. <laughs> so he's just in the corner, like, nobody look at me. <laughs> What's going on over there, John? Nothing. Poor John, he's probably that's probably not what happened, but you know, maybe sometimes <laughs> maybe. when you're cooped up, <laughs> cooped up and pent up, cooped up and pent up, though, you can get some good writing out of that anyway. <laughs> so, keep those transformations of the more modern idea of the vampire in the back of your head because now we're gonna jump back into some superstitions about the undead and the treatment of corpses. And then we're going to dig into some cultural takes on the concept of a Nosferatu and vampire. Okay. Suspicions of the undead. I know that's what people are really, really wanting to hear and not about horny, horny John Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Before... You you have to have it both ways, people. You gotta have both. Exactly. Before Polidori wrote the vampire, and even after, people were still terrified of the idea of this creature, obviously. But some areas of Europe took this fear to a whole other level of paranoia back in the day. Precautions and burial in Romanian tradition is crazy. And they, I mean, they took very, very big precautionary measures. The wake for the deceased individual normally lasted for two days. And at this time, the family and friends would watch over the body to protect their past loved one. Because it was thought that if unwatched, things could tamper with them. Professionals came to the wake and led prayer to pay respect to the deceased and also to prevent that person from coming back to haunt others. But perhaps. That was inevitable in some cases. 
Romanians believe that in certain circumstances, the dead would come back anyway. No, like, didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about what they did to really prevent that in the treatment of corpses. In some beliefs, it is said that someone isn't, if someone isn't baptized, that they will become a vampire after their death. It is said that they come back to roam their villages to their living loved ones, whether that is in physical form or as an energy leeching spirit known as an after devourer. In these cases, folklore says that an after devourer is a recently deceased individual whose spirit will latch onto the back of, like physically the back, on the back of their loved ones and drain that person of their energy. This could also lead to fatigue, loss of appetite, illness, and even nightmares of that person. So it's just the personified feeling of grief. You know, um, there are cases where people claim to literally see a being like piggybacking on a loved like one latch. yeah mm-hmm. just not not sucking on anything just like like holding on for dear life no pun intended and <laughs> <laughs> their loved one was just slowly losing more and more energy not becoming themselves and the idea behind this is because they were they were trying to latch on to any sort of energy that they could find. And obviously, if they know their past loved ones, they know them the most, that's who they're going to come in search of. There are accounts of Romanian of Romanian folklore where a recently deceased loved one will physically visit the home of the loved ones and even talk with them, but upon investigating the gravesite, the earth is undispersed and everything within the coffin remains intact. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There are several small villages where residents do double duty when it comes to graveyards. In a Roma- in Romanian villages such as, please forgive me on pronunciation, uh, Maritinu de Sus, uh, mutilating the deceased is not unheard of there. In cases such as these, a deceased member of the community is reported to lurk among the village as a Nosferatu. And in these cases, the corpse and the coffin are dug up. Throughout history of superstitions with the undead, there were many aspects that would also lead to the evidence of vampirism. Now, we kind of discussed this in other episodes, but let's really dig into it here. Blood and fluids pooling in the mouth, the lengthening of hair, nails, and even teeth, the appearance of gaining weight, the body being found in a different position than when they were buried. We know these in modern times to be normal states of decay, right? Mm -hmm. Especially since if they're not doing anything like we do in modern times of taking things out of the body, you're getting bloating, fluids are going to come out of every orifice. The lengthening of hair, that's known to be an occurrence after death. Same with nails. When it comes to the teeth, 
your gums do shrink back, making it look like your teeth are longer when really it's just the gums receding. The appearance of gaining weight because they're not yes. taking anything out. It's bloating, gas. Bloat. Yep. And that could also factor for why the body is in a different position. Another nasty option would be that they weren't necessarily dead when they died. <laughs> yeah. That so. we know is a very common occurrence mm-hmm. back in those times. Exactly. This was, this would be, and just, it would definitely cause hysteria. And so it, this wasn't, it wasn't just in Romania. There was a frenzy throughout Europe at a certain time also about people being dug up. People have stakes still in their coffins from this era um, in Europe because there was a vampire scare because of the same things when they would dig things up. I think we had talked at one point, I don't know if it was on one of our mainstream episodes or if it was just a conversation that you and I had on one of our, you know, girl mm-hmm. happy hours. Uh, no, we did. We covered it in the I episode, actually. The yes. story about the person that like crawled out of the grave. And I think it was in Romania. Yeah. If I remember correctly, and I couldn't it locate was. the story, but it would like it makes sense that they would have this, you know, this fear of mm-hmm. vampires. If this person was buried alive and they right? were like trying, to, you know, because you got to think like you're dehydrated, you know, mm-hmm. you're disoriented, you're weak and mm-hmm. pale and all those things, it lends to this idea of this hysteria, this. Nosferatu right. belief is is probably a lot of it does stem from premature burials. I would say, mm-hmm. absolutely. And you know, if they're gonna talk about erratic behavior of the in quotes deceased, well, I mean, you'd probably in shock too if you crawled out of your grave after <laughs> not knowing things for how long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we we kind of have to think. We have to think on both sides of it. But absolutely, mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of superstitions in Eastern Europe at that time that this was a this was a major problem for a lot of villages that they feared that like nothing else. So if if they were to find these common signs of vampirism, or what they reference as offensive and troublesome, they would take steps to re- prevent the body from coming out of the grave again. Here's what they would do. They would either turn the body to lay on its belly in hopes to keep it from digging its way out of the surface and just digging further into the earth. Or they would put large stones on top of the body so that they couldn't remove them. Or they would stuff the mouth full of dirt or garlic. Oh my god. <laughs> or they would behead the corpse and a, run a stake through the heart, or some of the above all at once. Oh, man. Now Can you imagine being that poor person that actually did get buried alive, and uh-huh. then this happens? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. No way. No way. I mean, being buried alive oh. is bad enough, but then, like, yeah. you get murdered <laughs> Like a steak through the heart and then your yeah. head gets cut off. Yeah. Mouthful of dirt and garlic. Ugh. 
Yeah, especially you're probably I, like, oh my gosh, yay, they buried, they like dug me up, they know, they know, and then, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Mm. So either way, even if some of this are, these things are true, either way, it's scary no matter how you look at it. It's terrifying. <laughs> I thought I had a like worst case scenario of like, my worst possible nightmare it actually mm-hmm. just changed <laughs> oh no i'm so sorry i just Thank made you. it worse thanks blair sorry oh now watch later on it's gonna be something new and horrific and i'm just gonna keep doing it and i'm so sorry <laughs> i mean scapism is pretty bad yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh. Uh, by the way, I think I want to do the letter T in the future for torture. Yes. Yes. And we'll talk about different torture. That is one of them. So we'll talk about that later. Yes. People. Oh my gosh. Yes. And speaking of, I think I want to do the S episode for next season. Ooh, I think it needs it? to be the Spanish Inquisition. Oh, shoot. Uh-huh. Yeah. No one ever expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> I am such a Monty Python nerd. So it's going to be Spanish Inquisition followed by a torture episode. Yeah, which is perfect because they it's go perfect. right in hand in hand. Yep. yep. We're we're digressing, listeners. I'm so sorry. You're probably like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Get to the story, people. Get on with it. For any Monty Python fans out there, high five. Bye. <laughs> I see you. I see you. <laughs> I love you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> so while Romanian, while in Romania, it is prominent in vampire lore, uh, we know that there aren't, they aren't the only ones that kind of have a handle on tales of vampires in their culture. So I think I, I have learned a lot along with you listeners so far in this episode but it's about to get way creepier and weirder as we travel around (laughs) the world to look at what vampires look like (laughs) i want to preface this with i apologize in advance i am going to try my best to pronounce everything correctly please forgive me it is early i'm from the midwest I already have a weird-ass accent. <laughs> Bear with me. I'm trying. So, around the world, here we go. The island of Bali. They have the Layak. And this creature is a flying head that has its organs hanging off of its oh severed neck. <laughs> uh-huh. Eat your heart out, Polidori. Can't make that into some saucy, saucy nobleman. What's wrong with that guy? (laughs) It has a long tongue, bulging eyes, tusks, and long black hair, and they feast on newborns or bodies in graveyards with its tongue, and they have the ability to shapeshift into a human or a flying pig. (laughs) (laughs) How can can it get worse? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. If Polidori was in the island of Bali trying to get his ideas, he's like, a flying pig? What the? And then it turns into a human. He's like, oh, but on second thought. (laughs) (laughs) Horny, horny Polidori. 
Oh, that <laughs> yes. poor kid. He's now he's going to have that little reference to it. I I mean, I feel like that needs to be a t-shirt at some point or something. <gasps> it should be. It really should be. Oh my gosh, please. Please. Horny, horny Polidori. <laughs> yes, That's please. Awesome. Now we're going to go to Ghana. Ghana has Oh, here we go. The Asasabansum. And the Asasabansum has hooks for feet. Oh my god, no. <laughs> uh-huh. It eats everything with a pulse. And once it sees you, it will hook you in the shoulder like a freaking meat hook and yeah. climb up into the trees with you and begin eating you alive. Some accounts say that they eat the thumbs first. Of its prey. Uh huh. If the prey has any. Why the thumbs? Why? Apparently, the Assassabansum have a kink for fingers. (laughs) Polidori's on the ground, like, yeah. Polidori's on the ground, like, oh, I see. I'm going to write that down for later. We're a bunch of weirdos here. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's really early and I'm having my coffee. I apologize, but this is the the, the state you're getting me in for this episode. <laughs> on the ground. Okay. Um, could be a flying pig. Could be human. All right. I'm in Ghana now. Has a thing for thumbs. Kinky. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's get into Mesopotamia. The way your face just like your the look on your face kind of scares me. What just happened? <laughs> there was Let a me pause, tell you. and then your it face was a pause. Changed. I laughed so hard when I was researching Mesopotamian culture with vampires. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I I laughed really hard, and I I shouldn't have, but. I'm gonna, you're gonna know why in a second. So, those crazy Mesopotamians, they had what they referred to as the Akimu. Roughly translates to evil wind gusts. <laughs> Where did my brain go, do you think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The Mesopotamians believed that sudden gusts of wind were actually souls of the dead coming to suck the life and energy from those caught in it. And they were terrified (laughs) because these gusts of wind, well, let's think about wind. It comes out of nowhere sometimes. Or (laughs) you can hear it and it's coming and you're like, ah, imagine a bunch of Mesopotamians going, it came out. And they're like running when, you know. Anytime there's a windy day. Uh Uh-huh. And that's really scary to think about. If wind yeah. was just evil spirits, that's nasty. You just would not go outside. No, exactly. <laughs> they were pale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not every single person that passed would necessarily become an Akimu. It was conditional. But here's how you become one. <laughs> oh, no. It kind of sounds like a parody for a medication commercial. And this is why I was laughing. So just picture this, people. Just picture this. Okay? Medical commercial. If you were killed in battle, murdered, very young, 
starved to death, drowned, didn't have enough respect for the gods, you may be susceptible to becoming an Akimu. There are other ways that this can be contracted. Please contact your primary source to see how else the Akimu might be a risk to you. Akimu with the gusty winds that want some of your energy. Ask about it today. Oh my god. It's literally what I thought of writing this. I was like, my god. Can you do every episode like that from now on? <laughs> my stomach is actually like hurting from... I don't know so if sorry. listeners knew this, but I was doing that silent laugh where you're laughing so hard that nothing, no air comes out the whole time. I'm just like sitting in my chair shaking. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's great. Ooh, I got just my like, ab workout. Oh, I, I, and I, I've looked into this so hard. I'm like the freaking <laughs> list. It was like, you might not become an Akimu, but uh-huh. If this happens to you, man, Akimu, no wonder the big gusts are so big. You could probably fart and it would be <laughs> the evil gusts have come. One of, it's, that's one of the side effects of Akimu. <laughs> the Akimu may cause very, very severe gas and some pretty nasty smells. Talk to your Mesopotamian reference today. Oh, I can't and... wait till we do this syphilis episode, by the way. <laughs> no one is ready. No one ever expects syphilis. No. And let I me tell you. Mo- I told my movers about the origin of syphilis. Yes. <laughs> what? They're probably like, can These we get the fuck out of dudes. here? <laughs> they got it done fast. Yes, that's from now on. If I have to hire anyone, I'm gonna be like, "You want to know the origins Start of syphilis?" Start a conversation Boom. about syphilis, and they will do their job much. much that shit faster. will be done in hours rather than days. Yes. Gotta oh my god. <laughs> Ooh, I'm hot now. I like need to change out of my sweater. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but okay, for real, did they say anything to you after you told them? Oh, they were just kind of like, oh, they were they were cool, but they were oh, okay. kind of like, huh, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably like, okay, let's get out of here. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. Uh, we are going to that. <laughs> I feel like we're gonna have to edit that episode so much because we're gonna be cackling. <laughs> and oh man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just fall off my chair laughing. I think because yep. Oh, man. Yep. Oh. All right. I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm just pulling my <gasps> shit back together. Uh, I'm sorry if any of you were working out and you fell over. Um, I've done it. This is definitely a Monday morning listen. I feel like get oh, that yeah. week started off. Oh, yeah. We should preface Talk about that. about the Akimu. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll <laughs> go back and add that in the beginning. Uh, best recommended to be taken on Monday mornings. <laughs> if you're having a shit day. This is the episode for you. You want to know a fun fact about the Akimu? Besides all the shit I just said? <laughs> I do. There are some that still believe in them today. Oh, and wow. they believe it's a form of vampire because of the nature of the draining of energy in life. Wow. Believe it or not. 
ask your Mesopotamian reference today. All right, let's let's move on. <laughs> now that I'm like crying, sweating, laughing. <laughs> oh, I need a, I need another sip of my coffee. I know, same. Let's <laughs> take a pause. <laughs> now let's run to Deutschland. We have the Nuntotter. It translates to killer of nine. And it gets this name from the belief that it takes a body in nine days to turn into one of these things. This form of vampire is not a blood drinker, but a disease bringer. And their bodies are pure pestilence. They're covered in open wounds all over that are oozing pus and they give off the nastiest smell and they spread the nastiest infections. Gross. Mm-hmm. In the Caribbean, they have the sequoiant, and during the day, it's an innocent-looking woman, and by night, it sheds its human skin and becomes the form of a ball of fire. It can sneak through the smallest of cracks, easily making its way into... (laughs) Oh no, I know exactly where you went. Oh no, we're in a a mindset this morning. This whole idea, this whole concept in this culture is advertisement for STD prevention. Oh, no. It's a warning. But go ahead, continue. Am I wrong? I I don't think so, especially if we're looking at it in that mindset. And now my, my brain is like stuck in that voice about like, ask your doctor today. Like, oh, no. Okay. <laughs> that so backing up. They can they can sneak through the smallest of cracks and easily make their way into a home where they will suck the blood of the living. They don't seek to kill, however, but they drain too much by accident sometimes, and there is a chance that its victim will rise up and become a sequoiant as well. The way to defeat one, to find their shredded skin and dump salt into it so that it can't return to its body. Gross. Mm-hmm. Very exiles. Yes, very. Let's go to Greece. That's the final place we're going to cover today. Now note, uh, and most of you probably already know this, you should definitely look into different vampires and different cultures. There are so many known around the world and i had to cut it off at just a handful but please there are so many cool ones out there that you should check out but the last one we'll cover is greece and oh am i gonna just slaughter the pronunciation on this (laughs) the (laughs) the calicanceros it was believed that any child that was born between christmas and the 12th night we're at high risk of becoming one of these, which doesn't, you know, we think about that today and we're like, what? It's supposed to be like a good time. Uh, They are described as being a creature with long, sharp fingernails that can tear the living apart. And to try to prevent this from happening, (laughs) parents would take their newborn and dangle them over a fire until their toenails were singed. Oh, no. Can you imagine? I I just want to know where these ideas, like, who comes up with that? 
Like, mm-hmm. this is how we prevent this. Yeah. We just need to singe their toenails a little bit. Yeah. And in some cases that I found, it was to the point where they would actually blacken the underside of their feet. Oh, my God. To try to get them to singe. These poor little babies. I mean, oh, man. Oh. Our ancestors were kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. If history tells us anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. That's why it's so important, people, to learn. To learn! So that you don't end up in the future dangling your newborn over a fire to singe your toenails thinking that they may or may not become a Nosferatu. (laughs) We need to learn. We covered a lot today. We've had some laughs. We've, We've cried from laughter. But that's kind of where it ends for Nosferatu. Ending thoughts. Where do we go from that? We're ending on that. What the hell did we just talk about? There are tales of things... <laughs> <laughs> there are tales of things sucking the life out of the living in cultures all over the world and throughout time since written history began that we know and documented. We went through some pretty ghastly gusts of wind to some pretty hot pieces of gothic meat, but oh man, we went from nasty ass wind to some pretty uh Hot aristocratic dudes. <laughs> what a way my to kind transform. Heck yeah. yeah. Polidori Heck had yeah. it right. Polidori did have it right. Good on you, horny, horny Polidori. <laughs> I just need the shirt that says, I'm a horny, horny Polidori. <laughs> just picturing him like going on this journey. He's got his journal, he's going to all these places that we covered. Okay. Lachaic. No flying pig, but human, yes. Okay. Uh, thumbs? Question mark. Going down the line, avoid German vampire. I just want to know where these, like, where did this stem from? You know? Mm-hmm. Where does the idea of something consuming something's thumbs come from? Is it right. possible that, like, I'm now trying to think scientifically about mm-hmm. decomposition. Is it yeah. possible that would that appendage, would that, like, rot first? I don't I don't know. You'd think it'd be, like, the pinky or something smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a really good point. Because it's the furthest out in your hand, is that the easiest to mutilate or break? in the process of moving a body or um, is it because maybe during the stiffening process, does it stick up a little bit further? Who knows? Somebody Uh, tell us your thoughts. Yes. I don't know. If you know anything about this, please let us know because I, I tried to find a source on what was so significant about some of the visuals of these different types of vampires and the, the why they would do certain things. And some of them are more, cultural but other things i could not find why that was the case this doesn't make any sense no yeah. and maybe it was something to where if it is an oral culture that's passing down their stories and it kind of got wrapped up in a game of telephone yeah 
in a weird way and maybe it ended up maybe it was an arm first and through the course of time it was it just kind of came down to thumbs i'm not sure but very interesting nonetheless Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't think that uh polidori would be into that gust of wind no he won't be asking his uh local mesopotamian resource about he too (laughs) how he could become an akimu (laughs) (laughs) that is a wrap this episode listeners i i had a lot of fun and i learned a lot we may or may not have a new reference for horny horny palidori yes palidori like you come up with the best lines <laughs> and that voice that delivery was like my favorite part of this episode i'll have to bring that up in uh, other episodes to come oh i'm definitely taking that clip out that's going to be an advertisement clip <laughs> yes just that segment and just be like you want to hear more I hope you can't wait for N. <laughs> Mesopotamian doctors on. recommend that you listen to this episode <laughs> Monday you morning listen. on your drive to work. <laughs> if you don't, you may become an Akimu. <laughs> Ask your doctor today. <laughs> well, Blair, what do you have coming up next? What's our next episode? Oh, folks, it is time to hit spooky season and i know that for most of you deep down spooky season never dies but we are officially hitting october next episode with O, and oh oh is for ouija and other cursed objects and let me tell you that episode is gonna be dense because we're gonna be covering cursed places cursed people cursed concepts we also have listener tales of Ouija experiences and I did try to get a wide range so that we had a little bit more to debate on at the end because Ouija is kind of a controversial topic whether or not you should be using it or not so mm-hmm. stay tuned yep. buckle up because we are about to get into macabre macabre in the most macabre form spooky season is upon us it's strap be your seatbelt it is I'm excited I, you guys don't know what you're in for yet. It's coming and it's, it's coming in hot. <laughs> Polidori's making we a have, note of that also. We've had so much fun with just, I don't know, like, I mean, the priest interview. Yes. I, I don't know that I would say that was fun necessarily, but it was a crazy Terrifying. episode. Indeed. Yeah. It really was. Getting that firsthand account. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No thanks. Oh, no thank you. Mm-mm. Again, negative energy is not allowed. And if you need a good laugh in the future, if you just need a pick-me-up, just think of the Akimu. Mm-hmm. Maybe make that checklist to make sure you're not going to become one. <laughs> Ask your doctor to die. <laughs> well, listeners, we will see you next time. Have fun. Be safe. It's been real. Here we go, spooky season. Let's fucking get it. This episode of Macabre was brought to you today by the Akimu. Remember to ask your Mesopotamian doctor today 
Four out of five doctors do recommend this. You may be susceptible to becoming an Akimu if you do not check out the macabrepod.com website. Email them at thatsomacabre at gmail.com. Join them on Instagram, their Facebook group, or not join them as a Patreon member. You could definitely be susceptible to becoming an Akimu. You can also be susceptible to becoming an Akimu if you forget to rate or review this podcast. And if you forget to show your love and appreciation for the ladies of Macabre. Thank you.